I'm a gun lover, a veteran, and a family man. I believe in the Second Amendment and responsible gun ownership. I'm Skip, and this is Gunsmoke. Hey, y'all, we're back. I got an email from Alex Jacques. I believe that's how it's pronounced and everything. He's from Ellington, uh, Connecticut. And uh, he had some good questions and stuff like that. And some very good ideas uh, that I plan to do some things about here in, uh, in lineup, like uh, the uh, FN SCAR lineup, SCAR 16, SCAR 17, 20. And, um, but he had an interesting question. And... Uh, concerning optics and um, choosing the right one. I, I'm going to do something about that later on. And uh, budget handgun optics, but for rifles and uh, and such like that. Budget and versus expensive. And uh, everybody knows here that uh, I believe sincerely about affordable and responsible gun ownership. Now, and maybe we can knock that out real quick here before we get going. It's um, about budget optics. My feeling is it all depends on how deep your pockets are. Like, like I myself, I'm not John Rockefeller, and I'm not homeless either, but I do the best I can. I'm a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. I don't have to go out and buy the most expensive because that would be difficult for me. I'm being retired and everything. Or I believe if you buy cheap, you get cheap. So I try to stay in the middle of the road. Um, you know, I came back from Afghanistan. I was over in uh, Kabul, and uh, everybody who's been through over there usually goes through Bagram while they're over there. I ran into an army fellow who happened to have been a, a sniper, and, uh, and he said that optics makes everything. Well, yes, yes, it does. But uh, he was saying that he spent, uh, oh, God, it's been a while now. He said something like $2,200 on a Leopold scope. And a scope, you can spend anywhere from a few hundred bucks up to 6000 or more. You know, it just the uh, sky's the limit. But like I said, it just depends on how deep your pockets go. And uh, like I myself, I stay in the middle of the road. I'm not going to get into different brands and all that stuff but you know you could settle the the optic thing here uh by just figuring out what's best for you with what money you got that's the way i feel so anyway i saw on one of the groups i belong to is modern and classic firearms that uh somebody posted a deal about the hotchkiss type universal or cmh2 it's a uh pretty interesting gun that folded up and uh it was it was something i thought thought interesting i'd like to talk about it and uh, anyway the need for a compact weapons capable of being carried with ease by troops who uh, would be getting in and out of vehicles jumping out of planes fighting in close quarters had been proven during world war ii while it may look unusual the hotchkiss a uh, Hotchkiss-type universal was an extraordinary attempt at a, creating an extremely compact submachine gun. Now, submachine guns have proven themselves to be quite useful uh, during, during the war and because their small size and high rate of fire made them invaluable, especially in close-quarter situations. 
Now, the post-war French army found itself armed with a plethora of surplus submachine guns, which included the German MP40, the British Sten, and the American Thompson, as well as their own pre-war Maz 38s uh, in 7.65 by 20 millimeter uh, Langer, now, which had been designed before the war. Now, by 1946, they had already begun the process of selecting a new, more compact submachine gun. Now, seeking to standard, uh, standardize on a single weapon and caliber, that they selected the 9mm and launched a program to find a new submachine gun, or pistolet mitrailleuse. My French sucks, but that's what you get. So anyway, now the French War Ministry launched a call for state arsenals and civilian manufacturers such as Hotchkiss and uh, Givalot slash Givarm to uh, submit a submachine gun for trials. Now Hotchkiss submitted the Type 010 or Type Universal, often known as Universal, despite this guns are typically marked CMH2, Caribbean Military Use Hotchkiss. Now, they were chambered in 9mm, and uh, the Hotchkiss is fed from MP40 pattern magazines used, uh, and used the ambiguous blowback action. Now, it fired from a closed bolt, and it had a cyclic rate of approximately 650 rounds a minute. Now, the Hotchkiss is a select fire with a push-through selector that allows for semi-auto and full auto fire. Now, it appears that the weapon's only safety mechanism is too close to the ejection port cover and lock. Uh, lock the bolt that locks the bolt in place, much like the US M3 grease gun. Now, designers went on, uh, went to extraordinary lengths to minimize the size of the universal. Not only did the stock fold beneath the barrel, but the magazine well and the magazine could be rotated forward to sit beneath the barrel with the magazine fitting between a U-shaped cutout in the buttstock. The weapon is a curious mix of stamped metal and complex machining, and with a difficult to machine bolt and barrel contrasting with the stamped sheet metal uh, lower receiver and wide stamped trigger. Now, in uh, 1950, Hotchkiss sales material uh, described their weapon as the individual defense weapon, meeting the requirements of most modern armies and police. Folded up, it's very compact, easy to transport, and conceal and parachute with. Yeah, okay. Now it's quick to set up, and it comes unfold and co and comes unfolded in the form of a carabiner. Now. The weapon's pistol grip is hollow, and when folded up in a stock, the grip folds forward to cover the trigger. Now, the Universal's uh, most interesting feature is its telescoping barrel, which retracts several inches inside the receiver. Now, these features brought, uh, brought the Hotchkiss length down to 30 and a half inches. Now, when the stock was extended to 22 inches, with the stock folded and the impressive 17 and a quarter inches when fully collapsed. And uh, the, nature is, the nature of how the pistol grip folded with the stock meant the weapon could uh, not be fired with the stock collapsed. When fully collapsed, the weapon's depth was just six inches. 
So, now to deploy this weapon. Now, first we unfold the stock by pushing the knurled collar forward to unhook it from it, the base of the magazine well. When fully unfolded, the spring detent locks into the rear of the receiver. Now, at the same time, the pistol grip also unfolds. Now, if we had a magazine loaded uh, into the weapon, we could deploy the barrel first. Now, in order to allow the magazine to slide back through the magazine well and fold down the lock into the lock position. Now, the bolt follows the barrel forward so that once the magazine is locked into position, the weapon has to be charged to chamber around. Now, to collapse the weapon again, first fold the stock, then depress the lever just behind the trunnion to unlock the barrel. Push the barrel absolute assembly and bolt to the rear until it locks. Okay, then it's all folded up. Now, the Universal's extreme compactness was both uh, its best and worst feature now. Uh, the complexity of having every protruding part fold or retract made the weapon expensive to produce, and it also gave the weapon poor ergonomics. With a narrow butt and uh, an uncomfortable pistol grip and narrow sights, which weren't ideal for quick target acquisition. Now, the Hotchkiss was one of uh, a whole host of compact folding machine guns developed after World War II. Uh, these included the Maz MLE 1948, the Mac MLE 1947, and of course the Mat 49 from the French state arsenals. Now, the French guns were by no means the first to have folding magazines. That concept dates back to submachine guns like the SIG MKMO, and incidentally, SIG's last developmental iteration of their submachine guns, the MP48, also uh, was also developed in the late 1940s and retained the MKMO's folding magazine housing. So, in 2001 article in, in the uh, Gazette d'Armes by Michel Malbury B includes an account from a legionnaire sergeant who describes using the Hodgkiss in Indochina. Now, he says, I saw for the first time the submachine gun Hodgkiss, uh, Indo, I-N-D-O, uh, were, we were responsible for security of the RC4, or Route Culinaire number 4, and the staff sent us uh, wooden cases containing these famous submachine guns. As, as the documents were not very complete, our company commander had trouble explaining how it worked. Well, it was quite funny because folded up, this machine gun did not look very serious. Now, it was like a rectangular scrap metal package. Now, we used it for the first time on the Lang Sung side during the serious collision between the Viets and the convoy. I remember that this uh, machine worked very well, uh, but it lacked a little precision. Now, anyway, it was much better than the small Maz 38 submachine gun whose magazine always blocked or jammed at the wrong time. Now, on the other hand, I think I remember that the Hotchkiss did not stand up to mud and that it was a misery to clean. In addition, it was quite difficult to unfold because of the buttons found all over it. Now, we never knew which one to press, so we, in any way, because uh, always transported them, always opened up, unfolded, and ready to fire. So, now, while the Universals uh, definitely wouldn't win any prizes for its aesthetics, uh, it was an, an 
ambitiously engineered and well-built submachine gun. Despite this, the design was simply too complex. As we have heard, the troops in the field rarely took advantage of its compact features, preferring to carry the weapon at the ready. Now, the Universal sacrificed a lot of to achieve its compactness and its ergonomics of the weapon leave a lot to be desired with the extremely small butt and a hollow pistol grip that just feels wrong. So, uh, it's believed that a total of 7,000 of these were produced between 1948 and 1952. Now, the French military rejected the Hotchkiss feeling the weapon was too complex and too expensive to manufacture. And instead, the MAT-49 submachine gun designed by Thule was uh, eventually adopted. And uh, the MAT-49 also had a folding magazine housing, making it almost as compact as the Universal, but without all the complexities. So while it underwent some field testing with the French in Indochina, no major military contracts were ever won by this. Uh, small numbers were purchased by the French police, the colonial police of Morocco, in Morocco, and uh, some were sold to the military of Venezuela. Now, the Universal would be one of the last firearms produced by Hodgkiss, uh, who had built numerous armaments for the French army during the 19th and 20th centuries, before it closed its weapons manufacturing arm in the early 1950s and decided to refocus on automobile manufacture. It was an interesting little gun, and it, it was something I saw, and I, I read about it, and I said, wow, that'd be interesting to pass along to, and see how that worked out. Anyway, we've got some stuff coming up on some really nice stuff uh, for the, for the uh, scars and the, uh, some other uh, PC Ruger, and precision, Ruger's precision rifles and stuff like that. So. We're going to get with that part of the game and take care of that. So if you've got any bitches, gripes, or complaints, feel free to drop me a, an email at uh, gunsmoke at yahoo.com. That's G-U-N-S-M, smoke, all lowercase, at yahoo.com. Or go to our Facebook page. Love to hear from you. Love to see what you're doing. And love seeing all the pictures and stuff like that. Made a lot of new friends. So until the next time, y'all take care.